Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Reflections on Growth, a journey toward personal discovery with Dan Roulette. You found the place for practical tips and tools to make your journey happier, healthier, and a lot more fun. Check out our website, growthreflections.com, and join the discussion. Now here's your host, Dan Drolette. Thank you, Daryl Schmitz, and welcome to show number six in a series of lots. Oh yeah, we're just getting started here. And this week, I want to take a trip back in time. For you younger folks, this will be somewhat of a history lesson. For you older folks, and I'm saying my age or older, this will be a trip down memory lane, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Before we get started, though, I want to mention a couple of events that happened in the field of broadcasting this week. It's been a bittersweet week. Uh, First off, I'll, I'll start with the happy part. I watched SNL 40 last night. It was a great show, and it really brought back a lot of fond memories. I can remember when I was 10, 11 years old, sitting in front of the TV on Saturday night. I didn't have to go to bed early because it wasn't a school night, and I would watch the Not Ready for Primetime Players. I really didn't get a lot of the humor back then because it was kind of dry type of humor. Saturday Night Live, a lot of the early cast members, uh, they came from Second City. And if you've ever watched SCTV, you know that the humor is sometimes very subtle, sometimes very dry, and I just didn't get a lot of it. I get it a lot more now, but it was just a, a kind of a fun show where they just didn't play by the rules. And it broke a lot of barriers in TV. I think it was the first show since All in the Family that had really, really pushed the envelope. And they have continued to venture into new and different areas over the last 40 years. And I think Lauren Michaels is just a genius. There have been 141 regular cast members on Saturday Night Live over the last 40 years. And everybody has their favorites. Everybody will tell you what their favorite season was, who their favorite performers were, but the fact of the matter is that this show has been able to evolve and keep up with the times, and I think today is still a very, very funny show. So seeing most everyone back in one place for a big live reunion was just phenomenal, I thought. And one of the benchmarks I look for in a show like SNL is, does it spark discussion? And I think there's no disagreement out there that, if anything, whether you love the show, whether you hate the show, whether you love certain seasons more than other seasons, it has always kept people talking, and it has always been relevant. So I really enjoyed watching the big reunion show last night. Now, there was some sad news this week. We lost 
Gary Owens. If you don't know who Gary Owens is, then I suggest you uh, go on YouTube and find an episode of a show called Laugh-In. Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In was a program that came along uh, in the late 60s. This was another groundbreaking show that really pushed a lot of envelopes. It was a comedy show, and they went into some territory that TV hadn't gone into up until that time. And Gary Owens was the staff announcer for Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. He was also big in the radio field, and you'll you'll know this as soon as you hear his voice. You'll recognize it. He's got this, you know, very deep uh, baritone kind of radio guy voice, and he was someone who never took himself too seriously. You know, he probably could have been a very serious announcer, you know, probably done an intro for a news program or something like that. But he decided to go into the comedy field and utilize his talents there. And this guy was just incredible. He was able to mix that a very radio-sounding voice with his comedic talents. And as a result, he was able to take this very natural voice talent that he had and actually poke fun at it. And that's what made him very entertaining and a lot of fun to watch and listen to. So, you know, it, it's kind of sad. He was 80 years old. He's been around for a while. And it's it's a great loss to the TV and radio industry, but rest in peace, Gary Owens. Okay, so on to the topic of this week's shoe, which is social networking yesterday and today. Well, when we hear social networking, what do we think of? We think of Facebook, we think of Twitter, we think of Tumblr, we think of all of these things on the internets today that allow us to communicate in ways we probably couldn't have imagined just 20 years ago. But social networking is nothing new. I mean, we think of the modern term social networking, which has just been coined over the last few years, but social networking as a concept has been with us for a long, long time. What has really evolved over time are the different vehicles that we use to network socially. I mean, we've always had parties, we've always had dinners, we've always had get-togethers, places where people join to share common interests or catch up on what's going on, and that's always been with us. But technology over the years has made it a lot simpler and a lot easier for people to join in large groups and engage in conversations with each other. That's the biggest boon to that we've seen in the last 20 years or so with the internet and the explosion in modern social networking. Today, of course, social networking is done on a global scale. We can talk to people halfway around the world without even thinking twice, thanks to the technology we have. But I want to go back to a point in time, in my lifetime, when there was another technological explosion in social networking. I'm not going to go back that far. I'm going to go back 40 years to 19. 1975, and an innovation in social networking that took actually the world, I could say America, but the world by storm. This 
technological explosion started with a song. And here's the song. Uh, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Uh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. There you have it. C.W. McCall performing a medley of his hit. That was it. The guy never hit the charts again. C.W. McCall, not his real name, by the way. But that particular song went to the top of both the country and pop charts in the U.S. And it, on the surface, was just a song about truckers. It was a song about the grievances that truck drivers had with the industry and with government regulation at the time, uh, mainly with a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. We had a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit on all the highways in the U.S., and that, the truckers felt, was slowing them down because they had to abide by this lower speed limit. They felt they should be able to drive faster. They weren't able to make as many runs as they felt they should have been able to make, and as a result of not being able to make as many runs because they had to drive slower, they couldn't make as much money. So... That was the gist of the song, and if that was all that came out of that song, it probably would have been just a one-hit wonder that would have faded into history. But as it turns out, people weren't so interested in the plight of truckers as they were in how the truckers talked to each other on the road. What they used was something called Citizens Band Radio, or CB for short. Citizens Band had been around for many, many years, and it had been used in the trucking industry mainly, but other commercial industries as well. It was a medium of short-range radio communication by which people could talk to each other without having to pull over and find a payphone. There were other methods of radio communication out there. There were the very early forms of mobile telephones. They were very expensive. Uh, They weren't like the cell phones we have today. You actually had to get on a VHF radio and call a mobile operator, if you ever remember the old episodes of Canon the TV show with William Conrad where he gets on his mobile phone and says, you know, mobile operator, get me Enterprise 2775, stuff like that. Usually those were found in cars of private detectives or very, very wealthy businessmen because the bills could go into the thousands of dollars depending on how they were used. So that wasn't a widely used form of communication. There was ham radio and there was a segment of the population that used ham radios to talk to each other around the world. But once again, you know, it was very expensive. The radios cost thousands and thousands of dollars, and to be licensed as a ham radio operator, you had to go through a lot of education. You had to learn Morse code. You basically had to learn how your radio was built. So CB was the first form of mobile communication that was fairly inexpensive, you know, you could get a CB radio set up for anywhere from $1 to $300. And you could actually talk to people 
from your car. This was 1975. I know this seems commonplace today. Well, it is commonplace today, but back then, this was a brand new concept. And all of a sudden, a new world of communication just opened up. CB radios took off. You could not keep them on the shelves. I mean, stores were running out of them as fast as they would get them in. And imagine the uses that suddenly were available for this medium back then. If a wife sent her husband to the grocery store, for instance, to get a dozen eggs and a loaf of bread, and she wrote down a list, and, you know, I'm it, with, with guys it, with a loaf of bread and a dozen eggs, we need a list, believe me. So let's say the husband's on the way to the local grocery store, you know, a few blocks away, and the wife decides, oh, wait a minute, we need milk, too. No problem. Just get on the CB radio, hail down the husband, who hopefully is on the same channel, and say, hey, honey, when you get to the store, can you pick up a gallon of milk? No problem. Now, that was unheard of before that time. That was just one practical use of CB radio. It was just a revolutionary concept. Hey, your kids are over at the neighbors playing touch football. They're outside. The phone's inside. No problem. They take a little CB walkie-talkie with them, and you can get on the horn, hail them down, let them know it's time to come home for dinner. It was just something that people hadn't been able to do before. It also revolutionized public safety because now if you found yourself stuck on the side of the road, you blew a tire, your engine blew up, whatever happened, you needed help, you could get on your CB radio, uh, get on channel 9, which was the emergency channel, place a call for help, and chances were within a few miles of where you were, there was some police station or state police post or emergency outpost or police car that had a CB radio in it, they would monitor Channel 9 so you could call and ask for help and they could respond. Once again, this was something that people hadn't been able to do before. And it was, for the time, you just have to imagine the time, it was just an incredible innovation. Now, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. It was short-range communication. So if you had a full-power CB radio operating at full licensed legal power, I'll get into that later, you could probably transmit under ideal conditions maybe three to five miles. So, you know, you couldn't talk to somebody in the next state or the next country or halfway around the world. And because CB was AM communication, it was on a lower band, around 27, 28 megahertz, it was susceptible to a lot of interference as opposed to the higher band UHF or VHF radios that weren't so susceptible to all that interference. There were no airtime charges because it was open radio, but you did have to have a license to operate a CB. And the license in the states was issued by our Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC. And that license, as I recall, would cost about $70. You'd send a little application form in. It came with your radio. And the license would be issued for three years. And it had to be, you had to be 18 years old to hold a license, but it was a blanket license, meaning that the license covered anyone who was in the immediate household or immediate family. So if mom or dad 
had the CB license in their name, then that meant that everybody else in the house could use the radio under their license, including the kids. And because it was open radio, there were rules. You couldn't use bad language, you couldn't drop F-bombs, you couldn't cuss or swear, you couldn't say anything that was obscene, because when you keyed up your CB mic, anyone and everyone within a few miles of you was hearing what you were saying. There was no privacy. You had to ask permission to talk on a channel. There were 40 channels, uh, 23 to start with, but eventually they expanded to 40. But if somebody else was talking on a certain channel and you wanted to talk on that channel, you'd have to key up and say, Breaker Channel 8, you know, and the person who was talking or the people who were talking uh, had the option of granting you permission to talk on that channel. And by the same token, it was generally understood that conversations on a CB radio would be limited to five minutes or less to give everyone the chance to communicate on any given channel. Then there were the technical rules. You were only allowed to transmit at a certain maximum power. I believe it was 5 watts. And if you were transmitting at anything over that maximum, then, well, the FCC wasn't too happy about it, and they might take your license away, if they caught you. The reality was that CB became so popular so fast that the FCC didn't have the resources to deal with the expansion, so a lot of people got away with breaking the rules. The feds just couldn't go to every town in every state and bust everybody who wasn't playing fair. For the most part, though, people did play fair, and they kept each other in check because they wanted to be able to use CBs for reasonable forms of communication. Okay, I've touched on CB as an innovation in two-way radio communication, but it really went farther than that. Here's where we're going to get into social media of the day. CB radio provided a gathering place for people. Because now, instead of just talking to one person on a telephone, people were talking in groups. Okay, we've always talked in groups. We've gone to parties. We've gone to dinners, all those things I mentioned before. But now, people could do that from their own homes or their own cars. They didn't have to travel to be in a group of people. They didn't have to go somewhere to a party or or to a dinner or to an event. They didn't have to go out in the cold and drive somewhere to have that group experience. They could do it from the comfort of their own home. And that, for the time, was revolutionary. People formed groups and clubs, and they would set aside a certain day and time to get together and chat on their CBs. Neighborhoods, entire neighborhoods would form groups. They'd pick out a channel, and that was the neighborhood channel where they could talk about whatever was going on. The CB became a virtual meeting place for people to get together and socialize. And that's where it shares a lot of similarities with our modern-day social media. For instance, people had handles. These days we call those screen names, but they were a catchy little name that somebody would make up to identify themselves so they wouldn't have to use their real name on the air. And they gave you kind of a, a 
feeling of anonymity, but you weren't really that anonymous because usually in a neighborhood setting where everything was local, everybody pretty much knew who everybody else was. We're used to using keyboards now, but back then it was all voice, so chances are somebody out there knew what you sounded like. But that being the case, there were still some of the pitfalls that we deal with on the internet today. We had trolls. There were people who would troll channels and just go wherever they could to stir up trouble. They would just kind of sneak in and sneak out, say a few derogatory things, and then go somewhere else to bother somebody else. We also had hackers. These are the people who would supercharge their radios so they could transmit at 10 times legal power, just blow everybody out, key up on a channel, step over everybody. And in some instances, I heard uh, if you were close enough to somebody else's radio and you keyed up with mega transmission power, you could actually do damage to that radio by blowing out some circuits. I don't know if that actually happened. That's just what I heard back in the day. Then there were people who used CB for long-range communication, which it was not meant for. They basically used it as a ham radio. They would get on their supercharged radio at night when the ionosphere was strengthened up. You know what happens to AM radio signals at night. They bounce all over the place, right? You can hear stations from thousands of miles away. Well, that was what these people would do with their CBs. They would power them up at night and they would talk to people in other states, people in other countries, and that would disrupt things because they were using the medium for something that it was not intended for, and it would just cause a lot of technical disruption and really step on people who wanted to use it for its intended purpose. Then you had people who used CB for downright illegal activities. I'm sure more than one drug deal went down on a CB radio. But there was really no way to avoid any of those things because CB was about people, and people do what people do. Mostly good, sometimes bad. So what about the positives of CB? Well, there were a lot. Like I said, CB brought people together in groups where maybe they wouldn't have gathered before, at least so easily. And as a result of that, there were a lot of uh, good things that came out of it. There, It brought out the good in a lot of people. I'll give you a for, uh, a for instance. Let's say you had a group of people who got together on a CB and one person was having a tough time in life. Maybe they had lost a loved one. Maybe their house was going into foreclosure. Maybe they'd fallen on tough times you would see a group of people come together to help that person out in a way that they may not have because they may not have been aware of that person's situation if not for an over-the-air gathering on a CB radio. It also promoted more social interaction person-to-person because people who were in groups on CB channels would want to plan get-togethers. They'd want to meet up for dinner or coffee or whatever and have a chance to exchange ideas in person. Granted, it didn't always bring out the best behaviors in people. You've heard the saying that beer and keyboards don't mix. Well, back then, beer and microphones didn't mix. So if you were going to sit home and have a few 
or maybe a few more, you probably wanted to unplug the CB before you started out on that. And those CB handles probably gave a few people uh, confidence to say things over the air that they might not say in person. But once again, we're talking about social media, and that just comes with the territory. Now, maybe the most notable thing about CB radio was that it came with its own language, much like the internet does today. We didn't have LOL or LMFAO or smiley emoticons yet, but we did have Smokey Bear, we had Good Buddy, we had a Big Ten Four, and we had a Kojak with a Kodak. That's a cop with radar. So CB did have its own linguistic culture of the day. It was Really fun to listen to. If you want a sample of it, click on the video for Convoy I've got up on the website. Listen to the song all the way through, and you'll get an idea of what it was like to yak on a rig. That's more lingo, by the way. So my final thought on this, and you thought I'd never get there, was even though the technology has changed, the means have changed, and the reach has changed over the years, the concept remains the same. And that's the concept of communication through networking, figuring out new ways to reach farther, bring more people closer together, uh, include different viewpoints so we can basically compare notes and get things done. So the next time you're at a party and somebody's talking about how great the internet is because it brought us social networking, just look them straight in the eye and say, convoy. They might get it, or they might not. That'll be fun. Anyway, thanks for joining me this week. I really appreciate this trip down memory lane. I I always love to have fun on this podcast. Every once in a while, I just like to lighten things up. So thanks for spending 25 minutes and 33 seconds with me. I hope you had a good time. We'll see you here next week. Feel free to share your thoughts on the website at any time. I'd love to hear from you. Let's get a conversation going. Or if you have any questions or concerns you'd like to address to me, drop me an email. Dandrolet online, D-A-N-D-R-O-L-E-T-T, online at gmail.com. Hey, you might even have a few good CB stories to share as well. The more the merrier, I always say. Thanks again for stopping by, and until we meet again, have a blessed day. Thanks for joining us for Reflections on Growth, a journey toward personal discovery with Dan Roulette. Don't forget to check out our website, growthreflections.com, for the latest articles and other great resources and join the discussion. The views expressed in this program are those of the host and other participants, and your mileage may vary. If you'd like to offer program suggestions or be a guest contributor, email online at gmail.com. That's dandroulette, D-R-O-L-E-T-T, online at gmail.com. Or click the email link on our homepage. Join us for the next installment of Reflections on Growth, and have a blessed day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>